Welcome to The Sleeper and the Bust. This is episode number 158. I am your host, Nicholas Minix, and joining me, as usual on Sundays, is Jason Collette. Jason, hope you enjoyed your week off. Well, Sunday off, at least with us. How are you doing today? Yeah, last week was a lot of driving. I ended up doing two, almost three hours each way in South Carolina to go visit some friends that were up from Florida. So it was fun, but I do not, uh, I'm glad I wasn't doing that much driving here uh this weekend although i do have a 6 a.m flight tomorrow morning so as you're listening to this if you're an early riser i will be in the air so yeah f my life i did i do i do not enjoy 6 a.m flights but it ouch. is what it is ouch yeah. ouch ouch well uh and i have two fantasy football drafts in the next 24 hours and we all know that that's an inferior game um oh absolutely <laughs> i had my last one i had my last one today and somebody actually drafted sam bradford before he got hurt, before it was announced he was out for the year. Um, uh, so, yeah, I had my last one today. It was my home league, and it was an auction. I had to do it on the phone, and that sucked. Oh, my. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. my uh, One of mine is a home league and auction as well, and I have a proxy. Um, so I'm pretty happy. But I, I don't intend to be involved uh, once it goes on. So there's that. The only thing I'm looking forward to is some tacos and or burritos once we get this show wrapped up. So without further ado... Let's get to some news. And first, I just want to get uh, big news that we did not get a chance to talk about uh, on Thursday because it had not happened yet. But we did talk about this guy a couple of times uh, on two, uh, this past week in the pod was Rusni Castillo, uh, who officially or at least he has he has a, an agreement in place. Uh, seven years, seventy two and a half million dollars. Uh, and the deal includes a clause that allows him to be a free agent after the 2019 season. So I guess, um, for lack of a better way to put it, it's basically a player option, I would assume. But uh, and he'll he gets it's a major league deal, obviously, because you don't get that kind of minor league deal. And uh, so that means that he is on. He is with the Red Sox, and he is basically going to be on the major league roster. But he'll get only one hundred thousand dollars this year, um, and they will send him to the minor leagues. But obviously, there's a reasonable ch- chance that he is. Uh, on the major league roster in September. Um, does this guy interest you in fantasy terms now, long-term, et cetera? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, please tell me I'm not the only one who expects Lana to walk him out to the batter's box every time he comes up, waving the Russian flag. Every time I hear this, I can't help but think of Rusev from WWE. But uh, I, I digress. With, with this, I mean, with him, if you're giving him that kind of contract, he's not in the minor leagues but for a week. I mean, he will. I, I think he'll be right up uh, here in a couple of days. But you're not giving him that kind of contract and saying, oh, yeah, go to the minors. Uh, I'll tell you this, and I had $25 up to Fab and Tout Wars. I think I bid 22 on him uh, for the week. Even if he's out for the week, it means I've got him for September. I'm just trying to get over the 60-point threshold in that league since it's been such a disaster for me this year. But I, I would I am interested in him because the athleticism's there. I think expect if you were going to another team, the expectations may be a little different, but they're gonna be inflated because he's going to Boston. Uh and with the contract he's he's signed. But yeah, I'm intrigued. Am I intrigued enough to pay twenty bucks in an AL only league based on what we see in September? No way. Not gonna do it. Um I mean think about Cespedes who came with higher accolades. I think I paid fifteen for him 
sight unseen in Tout Wars his rookie season. Okay, that's that's a good comparison. And we talk uh, like Eno and I. I mean, we basically were kind of in agreement as far as how we've viewed him. I mean, he's not none of his numbers and or his uh, his numbers translated. For instance, we took some numbers from ClayDavenport.com. Uh, and basically some translations uh, or major league equivalencies, if you will. And, uh, I mean, to me, he's not a real exciting player from the, uh, I mean, definitely from the power side. But uh, I I think there, I mean, I think there's a legitimate reason to doubt whether he'll hit for average. And if he's going to be more of a speed guy, that kind of concerns me because he also doesn't seem like a guy who's willing to take a ton of walks. I mean, overall, but... Yeah, obviously the reason you want to be interested in a guy like this is because, I mean, there's still a great deal of athleticism and major league equivalencies are not by any means uh, an exact science. (laughs) So there's, I mean, there's there's a lot of room for error when you're talking about a player like Castillo, but he's 26, he comes over. Uh, he comes from Cuba, uh, and he hasn't. I don't know that he's played really much competitive ball in the last um, year or so. The last numbers I saw for him from Cuba were 2013. Um, this is not a player that has. I mean, he's basically entering prime. So, uh, I mean, there's not a whole lot of development room here left, and his numbers didn't look, for instance, as good as Yoan Cespedes's. And now that, like you know, we're, we've seen, as you've said, Cespedes is not. He has not been the most impressive player. I mean, he's he's an impressive specimen, and the numbers are they're okay, mm-hmm. they're pretty good, but they're not they're not knock your socks off good. So maybe the hype is exceeded, and that's uh, I worry a little that that's going to be a case with Castillo. Um, the other thing I wanted to get to asking about him was, uh, and I got. I mean, I can't even tell you how many questions I got in the chat about this on Friday was, okay, does that mean the Red Sox hate Mookie Betts? Now, there could be a number of things going, but this seems to set up, I mean, my first reaction was, okay, that seems like they maybe, you know, for whatever reason, Betts is up. Um, I haven't actually seen his number since he's been up, although I intended to bid on him uh, in Towers myself. But Betts is back up. Maybe this is like a chance to showcase him for a winter trade or something like that because there's still not a place for him to play in the middle infield. And I mean, I, I like Betts. I still think Betts can be a really solid player. With a, I mean, he's such a he's so adept at getting on base, and uh, he definitely offers some plus speed. Uh, it seems kind of uh, I mean I mean he could be every bit of the player that Castillo is or more. That's just kind of my impression, but. Uh, and he's also you know, he, very young and, and cheap. But it doesn't have to be a one-for-one. One. I mean, there's certainly a number of ways they could go. Jackie Bradley Jr., or, uh, I mean, they, they may cut bait with uh, an Alan Craig or somebody like that. But Bet seems like the only one here that's an actual guy that they can get something for. And seeing as it's a team that wants to enter 2015 right back on the horse as far as playoff contention. Um I can't help but think that Betts is the guy who's uh, kind of the the prime t- trade target here. Yeah, I, I I agree to a point. I think it'd be crazy to trade him, but you know, I they they've got a lot of different pieces there. Alan Craig to me is the guy you move because he's older. He's thirty one. If you can find some value for him, take it. Uh, I think it's too early to give up on Bradley Jr. I think the the yo yoing of him between Boston and Pawtucket is not doing him any favors uh, and same thing with bets for me i try to find some a taker for alan craig uh, and move him 
and, and deal with it because he's limited. He do, he cannot play defense well, and you already have a DH that you're not going to move. So that's the guy that I try to get rid of. But it is a little weird uh, how they're going to fit the pieces right now because it is uh, it's, it's a bit crowded out there. Yeah, I think, I mean, ultimately, if you're a team, it, um, you as a Red Sox, you like I said, I mean, they, they, they plan to be in postseason contention next year and again. And if you view this as one of the best hitters on the market upcoming, uh, in, at least in terms of value as well, then it makes sense to go after a player like this. And you say, you know what, we'll figure it out whenever we, you know, we'll figure that out later. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, Craig certainly makes the most sense to move. It's just it's like this is a guy coming off a terrible season uh, and it's coming off two foot injuries, one of them pretty serious, and now they're talking about the possibility that he'll have surgery again to relieve something that's similar to uh, a Liz Frank sprain or maybe have Liz Frank sprain surgery again. I, I think it's it's just, yeah, I think it's going to be hard to move a player like that who has, I mean, he has one year left on his uh, deal, whatever it is, or team control. I'm not sure exactly what his situation is, but I uh, do know that he, I think he's, whatever it is, it's, it's organizational control for only one more season. So it, it does seem like he'd be a hard piece to move for any and get anything of value. But, uh, I mean, it's, it, it's, a, it's an interesting situation. I'm sure Boston will do a lot to address our uh, concerns. Our worries. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in, the ver- in the somewhat near future. So, you know, but it's interesting to speculate on. Uh, some mi- some little more minor stuff, I guess. Aaron Hill is expected to see some more time at third base the rest of the season for the Diamondbacks. The idea here, obviously, is that uh, they want to get Chris Owings and Didi Gregorius kind of in the same middle infield. And I would assume Gregorius is the guy at shortstop in this case since uh, he's probably the better fielder and Owings is really the more, the more accomplished offensive player. But um, I think it's just it, it's interesting now because they called up uh, – yeah, I'm suddenly blanking on the kid's name, I, and uh, maybe I should have just written it down. But the kid that they just called up a couple of weeks ago to play third base, the prospect. Um, come on, help me out here, Jason. Yeah, I'm drawing a blank myself. <laughs> this is this is fantastic. Okay, okay, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, and it's Jake Lamb. And oh, there we go. I should have known that because I'm trying. To, I was trying to move somebody to a guy who has Jake Lamb as his utility player right now, and, and he, he didn't bite. Yeah, and, and he's not the most exciting hitter. Uh, do wonder if there may be a little platoon thing with him, but he is a left-handed hitter. I mean, he's going to be on the right side of the, uh, well, the appropriate side of the platoon for fantasy issues. Uh, and there's a little bit of offensive upside with him as well. So why keep this? Why bring this kid up and then move Aaron Hill to his spot? I, I don't know. <laughs> other, I really don't know. I mean, you would other you than you think uh, wait, they wait, can wait, move. Be, Besides Aaron Hill, but he's, I don't know, contractually, I think it's bad. Yeah, I was going to say besides the fact that you're Kevin Towers, maybe that has something to do with it. But uh, it's just another, I mean, uh, I, I definitely see where Ruben Amaro Jr. gets his inspiration. <clears throat> um, yeah, it's about the right thing. <laughs> Hill does have uh, two seasons left. Uh, on his contract, 2015-2016, million each on those deals, uh, roughly, and he'll be a free agent after that. Uh, yeah, he would seem like a great guy to move in the offseason. Also, at the same time, uh, considering what he's being paid, what is he now, 31? He's gonna, uh, you know, he's around that age. He's going to be tough to move, I think, too. So, not 
it's not an ideal situation, but I definitely understand. I definitely understand getting the bat. I mean, ultimately, why don't uh, I guess you can't bench a player like Hill? I guess uh, maybe you move Hill to. Why first. not? He's been terrible. I just <laughs> here's how. Here's the thing with Aaron Hill. I just in my league, I was over the salary cap for making a deal to pick up Justin Masterson, and so I was over the cap, and I had to dump fourteen dollars to get under. And I traded Aaron Hill straight up for Ruben Tejada. That's how much I wanted to get rid of this guy. You know, let's look at if I go back and say, you know, over the last month, Aaron Hill is hitting 195, 259, 312. If I go back and say, uh, July 1st, 230, 256, 339, he's awful. If this wasn't a family show, I'd use a whole bunch of profanity. He's <laughs> awful. Awful, awful, awful. If they could get anybody to take that contract, do it. But he is absolutely, I had him in my, I got him in a trade a few weeks ago, and I just had him in my lineup because I was rota- rotating a bunch of stiffs in middle infield. And I'd say, you know what? I'd rather have the stiffs because they don't play enough to hurt me like this bum. So I got this bum out of my lineup. It's just, I can't take this anymore. Yes. I, I, I'm not going to disagree with you. Hill sucks. And I, the one thing that occurred to me is I know Hill has played some first base in the past. And obviously, at least rest of the season, if you're looking to do some evaluation, Move Mark Trumbo back to the outfield. Take, for instance, Alfredo Marte out of the outfield. Um, I mean, I guess that's going to become more complicated once. Um, my God, <laughs> once AJ Pollock comes back from the disabled list. Yes, but it's just it's a it's kind of a messy situation. It's it, that I mean, waivers deal. Do something with these. It's like they. Why was there no anticipation of this situation ahead of time? And this is. Kevin Towers. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> anyway, I think it's just, uh, it was kind of a strange, I thought, and, and this may not even be something that they do on a regular basis. Uh, it's hard to blame them if because Grupo Race is, it doesn't really lend much to the bat, and that seems to be something that they'll probably take uh, a great deal of, a great deal of uh, interest in. So, anyway... Uh, I've, I've talked too much about that. We'll touch quickly on a couple of situations with the A's. They've acquired both Giovanni Soto from Texas and Brian Anderson, who was in the minor leagues and actually hitting quite well in the minor leagues, although that doesn't mean a whole lot, uh, from Cincinnati. And uh, they they are in some need of catching depth. John Giso revealed that uh, his concussion symptoms have been worsening in the last couple of months or a couple of weeks, excuse mm-hmm. me. Um the only thing I haven't read, and I was hoping to read a little bit on this, but I haven't seen too much detail on it. This is a major concern. First of all, that it's a minor concern that he didn't bring this up uh, prior to this, or at least maybe it's just that he the, the A's knew and we didn't. But um, is this the same concussion that he dealt with uh, last season? Because it could, I, it could have been. And then the other issue here is that Stephen Vogt hasn't caught in six weeks for them. So there, it's up to they, they. They're they're trying to find any catcher they possibly can, and they grab these two guys. So it, when you can make the joke, they have four catchers in the roster. Technically, they only have two, uh, with Jason on the disabled list and Vote really not catching. That's the note I saw somebody say the other day. Is was like, um, that Vote hadn't caught in six weeks. Yeah, I don't think he. I think it has been a while, uh, and. and- I mean, basically, they're committed to vote to playing other positions at this point because it's not—it's not a necessity for him to catch. Um, I also think—I mean, Soto. Soto's not a bad acquisition. I mean, he rates defensively. He might be the best catcher in terms of defense on the A's now, and 
I mean, that's that matters. That matters to the A's more than it does to some of to some other teams. And um, I have to check his pitch framing numbers. That was something I meant to do before we got on, but I didn't. But uh, he's he's. I mean, he's pretty solid defensively. <clears throat> and Jaso wasn't exactly a plus, if I recall. Uh, I mean, he hardly uh, he has not played the position, but maybe he's played it fewer than fifty games. I want to say around forty five. Yeah. So it's it's not a bad move, uh, but it says something about the depth, how much they're concerned. That I mean, that they also acquire Anderson. I think that probably says something about, like you said, about the vote situation. I mean, he's basically one of the best hitters on the team at this point. That they needed to deploy him at another position anyway. So I think that that's really another reason they moved. But eventually, the A's plan to have catchers at all positions, maybe even pitcher. So go for it. <laughs> I think it would be pretty cool if they had like a five catcher lineup one day. And now we get to the topic that we've all been dying to talk about all day, or at least Jason has all day, and I was once I saw him bring it up. And that's Mike Fires, who had his, what, 18th brilliant start. Uh, 18th brilliant start out of 15 starts. Yeah, <laughs> baby. Well, so uh, this makes four brilliant starts out of four for him. Um, coming into this Coming into this one, uh, he was he had a 129 ERA on the season, and he pitched seven innings of two-run ball. He gave up only two hits, and they were basically the product of he uh, he gave up a two-run home run, struck out seven, and the strikeouts have been there more than one strikeout per inning, uh, and that includes some relief time. But it hasn't really mattered because he struck out 14 in the start not too long ago. Uh, I mean, he's been racking up the Ks, and he has some good stuff, and we, we've talked about him. Um, on a few different podcasts with Bo Jason and Eno. Uh, what else is there to say? I mean, nobody's going to say yes, uh, rest of season, two-point ERA. But, uh, I mean, there's no reason to get off this train, right? Well, how much do you think he's going to be able to hold up a 109 batting average against, a 196 slugging average against, and a 138 batting average on balls in play? If you think those numbers are sustainable, then please don't get off this train. But four starts, four wins... <laughs> I mean, when we started talking about him last month, we, we pointed out how well he was pitching in, in the Pacific Coast League in AAA. A lot of strikeouts, very few walks, wasn't giving up the home runs. And we said, look, take a flyer. If, if, he, gets a, if he gets a spot in the rotation, do it. I th- think I talked about I picked him up months ago in my home league. I've since traded him uh, before this hot run. Unfortunately, I had to get include him in a deal uh, to make monies work. With that, but you know, four starts, four wins, striking out one of every three guys he's facing has given up two home runs, four walks. So he's not hurting himself. Those are the things that would get to him in the past, and he's done it against Pittsburgh, Toronto, Chicago, and the Dodgers. Not exactly murderer's row for the most part, but the Pirates were playing better baseball late. He shut them down over over seven innings, two two run runs. One of them came on a home run, uh, but that's what that's what he's done. He's come in. He's got four quality starts, four wins unsustainable ratios so is he gonna win four games the rest of the way don't know but milwaukee definitely puts him in position to do that now he he may continue to pitch six seven innings and maybe start giving up a three-year run but who cares if milwaukee's gonna put him in position to run uh to win and they've scored four six six and four in his four games if he gives up three runs he's still gonna get the win so don't get off the train but you miss the best baseball well who's okay uh, the question is because uh and that's it was going to be just a mention, but Kyle Loesch is back from, he'll be back in the rotation on Monday. And he's, I mean, he's a mainstay. He's not going anywhere. Uh, and Garza too. Yeah. So once Garza comes back, uh, what happens to Fires? I mean, I assume they're going to stick with Pires, Fires, excuse me, um, 
And right now, I mean, I see he's projected to start at San Francisco this coming week. Uh, and then after that, it's kind of open. Uh, the next start would come up um, against St. St. Louis when we get into September. Rosters are expanded. I mean, in general, I mean, they could go six man if they wanted to. But Jimmy Nel- and Jimmy Nelson has pitched. He's for the most part, he started to pitch better. Willie Peralta has been bombed, but he leads the team wins, and that may matter to them. Um, them. <laughs> Giovanni Gallardo has been. He's been good. Uh, who's the odd man out? I think by the time I mean Garza's Garza started to throw, so we're still a couple of weeks away. I mean, there's but um, a, a, at least. I mean, the, the Brewers also are going to, I mean, they have to talk about making room for Loesch, period, to begin with, I think. Right. Um, I mean, that's it. Nelson, that's easy. I mean, they may have to go to a six-man. And there's really nothing terribly wrong with that in September uh, to, to go with a six-man rotation when you have the expanded roster, roster use it. Uh, if they don't, it's going to have to be fires. They're going to have to put them into the bullpen. And, I mean, they, they could use some middle relief help as well. Uh, and that may be the unfortunate thing for him because he's pitched so well. But you can't. Gyrda, Loesch, Peralta, uh, and uh, Garza. I mean, you're not going to put any of those guys in middle relief, so I don't know. Uh, Nelson's obviously the first guy that's got the flop here, and uh, we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah, yeah, I, and I agree with that. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Maybe somebody has a setback or an injury or something that you don't have to get to that. But the, I think the combination of this is, if you ha- hopefully you didn't miss your chance to trade fires. I've seen actually people trade him, <laughs> which is pretty cool for them. Um, because the combination, I mean, he doesn't give up walks and he does get the strikeouts. The big thing is, is often been for him home runs. To me, he's like, he's like a, I think he's like a better version of, uh, uh, Marco Estrada, but, uh, he beat out Marco, but Marco Estrada beat him out for the rotation spot in the, in the spring. So, so you mentioned about people trading him. These are some of the trades that I see on CBS. Um, uh, this one, oh my, Mike fires for Chris Carter. This was yesterday. <laughs> I mean, that's... Mixed league. Mixed roto. Mike Myers for Chris. That's trading hot for hot. That's that's absolutely trading hot for hot. But wow. I mean, did you think you were going to be able to pull that off? Dylan G in an NL league, straight up for Mike Fires. Ender Enciarte for Mike Fires. Mike Fires and Jonathan Papelbon for Marcus Stroman and Ken Giles. I'm assuming a keeper league. Mike Fires for Zach Grinke. David Wright for Mike Fires. These are trades that have been the last three days in CBS leagues. Yeah, that's, I mean, you say hot for hot, but Carter's, I mean, Carter's been cranking out the home runs for the past two months plus, give or take, a little bit of uh, wiggle room. I, I don't have a date, but he's been cranking them for a while. And, um, I mean, I would take that side of the deal in a heartbeat because you know he's got a lineup spot for the rest of the season. <laughs> uh, Justin Verlander. Saturday start, uh, just something to touch on real quick. Uh, did you see anything in that that was encouraging to you? Eno said, you know, don't bail on this guy. Kind of a, uh, hey, like a lot of people have pretty much sold out on Verlander. So if he's out there on your wire or something like that, took a guy like this aside. He goes five and two-thirds innings, gives up eight hits, four runs against uh, at Minnesota, uh, walks three, strikes out six. And I think the results, all in all, were really not that bad. I mean, I don't care about too much about the runs and the hits. I mean, people have starts like that all the time, and the walks weren't too bad. Um, Minnesota actually has been what was dropping the hammer on, on Detroit in that entire <laughs> on that entire in that entire series. So, frankly, giving up only four runs to them was actually kind of an accomplishment if you saw the results against the rest of that rotation. <laughs> uh, I I mean, overall, I think. 
I think not not a not a bad outcome. I mean, I still I, I really had my doubts about Verlander and what the you know what it was going to look like, but velocity was I mean, he's around ninety three, which is where he's been for the past at least dozen starts, yeah. uh, and that includes uh, slider, which is back up. It, 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 I mean, from his last start, the slider was down a little bit. I mean, this is we're only talking one inning, so it's really hard to say, but uh, I mean. Overall, everything looks looks pretty good. I mean, here's a, we've had six starts since the All-Star break for him. He's won three. He's lost three. He's got a 4.58 year rate, a 139 whip. Four home runs, all to left-handed batters. His strikeout rate, if you're looking at per nine, is 7.1. Uh, uh, His strikeout rate is 18%. I mean, that's below league average as far as strikeout percent. At 7.1 is right about where it's just a tad over by K9. That's, it's just a little, the good news is he's, he's limiting righties with the power. They're not doing much against him there. And, but it's weird. So because against lefties, he's shutting them down batting average wise, but they're hitting home runs. So 194 with four homers. Righties, no homers, but hitting 338 off them and getting on base at 37% of the time. So it's it, these numbers are all over the place with him since the All-Star break. I have him I put him back in my lineup this week. He was on my, he's been on my bench. I put him back in only because Jason Hamill I've had enough of. What's interesting uh, that you bring up the splits cuz I was about to say maybe he's ha- is he having trouble neutralizing the left-handers, but clearly not. But uh, against right-handers, they have hit 378 on balls of play and play against him. I mean, what's he doing wrong against right-handers? <laughs> um, it, he's he's such a tough. I mean, I, I'm glad I don't own him. I was such I was so afraid to draft him. Uh, it's I mean, it's going to be an interesting off season, I think, more so for Verlander than anything. Um, I and I do agree with Eno's assessment. He convinced me to the point where I say yes. Yeah. So like, if somebody's totally given up on him or basically given up on him to the point where, uh, and. This is one I, I want to say this is who we had in terms of the trade-off slash comparison on Thursday. Uh, and Eno was given, he said, you know, give me the option uh, or am I making a trade here, Mike Fires and Justin Verlander. And this is before more news came out about the pitchers coming back. Where So there was more um, more confirmation about that. But um, there's been more confirmation since, I should say. Fires Verlander, you know, he'd say, give me Verlander. And I can't say I disagree because Verlander, if he's if he's healthy, he's taken his turn, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas Fires, I might get a start or two, and that's it. Granted, that start may really help me <laughs> quite a bit, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, I mean, what say you? I mean, you you have that choice at this point. Um, I'm gonna go with Fires. Okay. Strikeouts. He's getting them right now. Verlander isn't. Yeah. I mean, I, I I get that argument completely. It wasn't like I was. I mean, I think I leaned Verlander, but it was. I don't know. I, I it, that's not really an easy decision. That's one of those decisions that, uh, if I was sitting there hovering over the trade offer, I mean, I would probably be sweating about that for about thirty five minutes before I decided, and then I would take a walk outside or something because I wouldn't know what to do with that one. That's such a. I hate trades like that, because you say, well, the name value there, is. Pretty much, uh, I mean, I guess I, maybe it's just because I'm afraid of feeling like an ass. But that that's, I think that is a truly difficult decision to make. San Francisco not committing to Tim Lincecum for his next start. 
in which uh, and I guess t- he has a kind of a bad record against the Nationals to begin with, but uh, he gave up uh, in two and two thirds innings six hits, uh, six runs. Only four of them were earned, uh, but uh, it was not a good outing. He uh, <clears throat> struck out only two, walked four, and uh, that's kind of been a problem for <laughs> for him uh, in the last couple of seasons. Period. Uh, the replacement for him in the rotation would be Yusmiro Pettit or Petit, I guess, yeah, or, uh, Petit sizes. I mean, whatever, however you pronounce his name. Um, and and he doesn't interest a great deal for fantasy purposes. I mean, he might turn out to be an okay mixed league stream option or something like that, but, uh, you're welcome to have that shot at him because, you know, He's he's demonstrated long throughout his career that once teams get a second and third and fourth well third second and third look at him then that's when things start to go downhill for him. But he had a good st- spot start against the Phillies earlier this season and I mean who hasn't? But uh, Lincecum, I mean he belongs in the bullpen if you're a contender at this point, right? Uh, yes, and he is one of the guys that I threw into the Masterson trade to get him off my roster, so I was I would stop using him. <laughs> I think I tra- here, here it was. I traded Edwin Jackson and Tim Lincecum for Justin Masterson. In a league where I need strikeouts, I decided I couldn't. I just couldn't do it anymore. I, I, I got more out of Lincecum than I should have. I should have moved him two weeks ago, and I waited too long, so I moved him earlier this week. Well done. Well done. I mean, uh, I think... I mean, basically, and that's, yeah, that's prescription. Maybe they end up skipping him, and he keeps his spot, and maybe that helps. Who knows? You know, there's sometimes there's things... Uh, do help, but uh, I mean, he's let's see, he uh, 20.7% strikeout rate to 9.9% walk rate. They've and they've steadily climbed in the last five years. Uh, well, the walk rate is steadily climbed, the strikeout rate is steadily declined. And this is definitely this is a career low for him in terms of the strikeouts. I mean, I think it's I'm not sure what the Giants were thinking when they gave him a two-year, $37.5 million contract or whatever it was. Two years, $35 million, something like that. Uh, I'm not sure what they were thinking with that one, but uh, he is going to be the most expensive reliever, I think, for them in the postseason. Uh, if not uh, for September and beyond. Uh, if not if not in September, I should say. So uh, that that's that seems like the prescription, and uh, there will be it'll be an interesting offseason for Lincecum and the Giants as well. He's He has clearly not spent enough time meditating uh, on the way uh, he is, needs to alter his, uh, his approach yes. to pitching. Chicago Cubs, they're turning to Jacob Turner to replace Jason's favorite pitcher, Edwin Jackson. Hey, good. I like Jacob Turner. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I... I haven't given up on him. His his velocity as a major leaguer has been disappointing compared to what reports used to kind of have him at. And it always then there was speculation that maybe he'd been injured for a while, and he did deal with shoulder soreness and things like that. But de- impossible to blame the Cubs for taking a shot on a guy like Turner uh, after the the Marlins DFA. Oh, absolutely! It was dumb for the Marlins to dump him. I, yeah. I thought it was a perfect reclamation project by the Cubs. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So uh, and. Turner has made a couple of appearances for the Cubs uh, out of the bullpen. So, NL only, this is a definite grab for you? Yes. Okay. I, I think, I mean, I think I'm on, on that board with that too. And that's, I mean, that's despite the fact that, I mean, he's been in the NL the entire season and has put up terrible numbers there. But I think, um, 
I'm a little more confident in the Cubs staff in terms of turning pitchers around. Not, and it's not, I mean, Jake Arrieta is like an obvious choice, but it's not I mean, in general like that. I think, I mean, I think part of this is Turner is, um, I don't think he's getting enough out of a couple of his pitches and particularly uh, has probably had problems with sequencing. Uh, I, I, Chris Bazio and some of the other guys there, they've done some good stuff with some of the pitchers that they've kind of uh, really gotten some value out of. And I think that uh, I think that would be a, this would be an interesting move for them. I would be definitely willing to take a shot on him rest of the season uh, for the Cubs. Yes, absolutely. Um, before we forget, Michael Kadire has been put back on the disabled list with the hamstring injury. Maybe yeah. he was rushed back, but... He's back on the disabled list, and uh, now because he played on Saturday, he's not even eligible to come back until uh, September 7th. Yeah, you're getting ahead of me here. I had this on the agenda, but— Oh, my bad. I, I just, just happened to see the note. <laughs> now you're—see, you're, you're, you're getting my Irish up here because uh, I, I was just going to— I was going to rant about that for about 10 seconds because I'm like, Good, why? Because, yes, please. What? <laughs> like, that is— that. Uh, Partially it's because I threw a bunch of fab at him because I, I should have I, – I wanted to reserve him in that FSWA league. I mean, I didn't really I, – I had my choice between a, a, uh, of a few different guys. And I thought, all right, Kadir's come back and he has this huge doubleheader. People, people might spend some – and there's really not – there's not much in the way of impact hitters left. Um, so, yeah, I was like, ah, I'll dump some money at him. And don't get to use him. <laughs> and oh, I have no problem with that if I get him back in a week. But, like, if the, here's my question: What about a what about him drawing a walk? It, it led him to perhaps aggravate or or give them the idea that the hamstring still wasn't healed. <laughs> you would think. I don't know. I got him thrown into a trade a few weeks ago, and uh, and this is a league where the difference between third place and eighth place is five points, and so I and. With this news, I still would have traded Aaron Hill for Ruben Tejada, but I may have just thrown it, just <laughs> just tossed back because that is twenty nine bucks in this league. I would just want to throw him back and say, you know what? Now I'm under the cap because by the time the guy comes back, he's got three weeks. What is he going to do in three weeks? Right. So well, now I got to put somebody like Ruben Tejada in my lineup at, at, because I can shift some guys around. But that's what I'm looking at. It's like I'm almost tempted to dump him right now and try to find somebody. Well, I mean, he went like five for nine with uh, a home run in that day, double header. So if you got that, I mean, there was at least that. I, it, I got it, that. Three that weeks. <laughs> three weeks. You know, maybe he, maybe he, he could, he could definitely put on some damage. But yeah, I understand uh, that when you're in the batter's box and he maybe found. I didn't see the bat or the plate appearance, but you know, maybe he fouled some pitches off, and so he was getting some swings in. And certainly, hitters, you know, you use your lower half and things like that. Maybe that's what did it, but this is just, I mean, like who, who authorized that? Like that's, that's one that Walt Weiss needs to chalk up to the lesson learned uh, category and move on. And I guess it's time to do that as well. Uh, quickly, before we get out of the, any of the other guys, as far as rotations are concerned, Kyle Lopstein, Lopstein, uh, this Lobstein. I'm not sure. I'm, I know I'm going to butcher that name uh, just because, I'm not real good with my His nickname's Loogie. He's a reliever. That's all he is. Is he? Well, they, I guess they're considering him for a start. <laughs> that tells you how desperate the Tigers are for pitching. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I knew they called him up initially to, to pitch out of the bullpen, but uh, Robbie Ray and Buck Farmer both have bombed. Yeah. Um, and, I, I mean, I think that there's, 
not a lot, but I think there's a little something that you might that there that we could like about Ray. Uh, and I don't know anything about Farmer, just uh, except for looking at his numbers. But uh, clearly, the results have not endeared him to his his parent club, at least in the one start. Uh, and it, I mean, I think it kind of says something about perhaps them in terms of prospects, or at least Farmer in terms of a prospect, because um, I mean, if you think he's that bad, unless he's done something egregious like shake off the catcher every single time, and uh, but. Uh, this is yeah they're they're truly desperate to fill this spot and while sanchez can't get back quickly enough uh it's a good thing that verlander didn't have to go on the disabled list it sounds like but i mean this is a team that's certainly spiraling away from a playoff spot i think yes sean doolittle uh as as you kind of uh we were discussing definitely before the show ends up on the disabled list he felt a tweak in his intercostal area uh, on his second-to-last pitch in his appearance last night against the, the Halos. Luke Gregerson, Ryan Cook, uh, Dan Otero was recalled. They had to, they sent him down. I think that was purely, I mean, because he has options. Uh, because obviously yes, pitch and he gets the bounce right back because of right. the injury. Right, and uh, purely coincidence, but they knew they could bring him back in 10 days or so. Uh, I don't think Otero is in contention, uh, in contention to see saves, but Gregerson has typically been the guy... I guess he's 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 pitched okay. I mean, to me, Ryan Cook is still the guy like that. I mean, he's pitched well. I don't see. Yes. I guess like to I saw allusions to other people saying, well, Gregerson is the guy, but to me, Cook is kind of since he's come back from a couple of short stints on the disabled list, has pitched dominantly. Whereas Gregerson is still kind of occasionally has some problems. Agreed. I I, I view Cook as the better option there. Is it? Uh, do you see it different? I mean, I guess if you're no, saying you it, don't uh, see it differently. I'm in line with you. I'm in okay. line with you. Gregerson's, Gregerson's results in the last couple of months have been outstanding, and he does have a – he has lowered the ERA considerably to 2.7. I just – I view – I think I just view Cook as a closer, and maybe that's just me being the the dummy at this point and not playing by the numbers. But uh, I don't know. I've never – and I've, I I had trouble seeing Gregerson even as a closer when he was in San Diego, and, and a lot of people always liked him for that role there as well. I didn't see it, and I don't I, – I, I have trouble seeing it there as well when I think Cook has performed outstanding in some high-leverage situations at times. We will see, though, uh, and I, I would not uh, – I would not – I would tend to uh, side – I think the – I have a feeling the A's are going to side with Gregerson based on usage and uh, – so, uh, I mean, Cook has occasionally given them multiple innings, and I don't know that Greg, Gregerson probably can do that as well. But uh, it's going to be an interesting interesting see, to see how that turns out. I think I think the A's end up opting for Gregerson, and maybe that's the better target for fantasy. Agreed. What about what about Baltimore? Now that Abaldo uh, Jimenez has been bumped out of the rotation in favor of Miguel Gonzalez, would you drop him if you still had that piece of crap on your roster? <laughs> yes. Well, uh, loaded I mean, question. I know, but <laughs> uh, I would definitely. Well, I would. De- I mean, obviously, he's probably. You're probably not owning him in a mixed league, so. But I think I would drop him in an AL league because even if. Uh, well, here's the. I mean, I guess if I have no one else to drop, like if I need the roster spot, I would hang on to him as long as I don't need the roster spot for someone else. I. It amazes me that they signed that garbage and, and they're going to win the AL East. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Oh, no, they're going to win the AL East. I mean, the, if the Yankees come back from a six-game deficit, uh, I'll eat my hat and, and videotape it. But, yeah, they, they've done that. The Orioles are still the, the worst, best team, the worst, best, the worst division-leading team in baseball. Yeah, and it's 
it's not entirely their fault. I mean, Matt Waiters, now Manny Machado, and that's the that's the next. That's really the only newsworthy piece of, piece of uh, bit we have really to discuss left. But uh, I mean, they've been they've been hit by injuries uh, to a couple of pretty important performers to their team. Not just um, it's not really the quantity; it's more so the uh, the quality. Um, but uh, yeah, and, and to combine that with the fact that there's a lot of doubts about their starting pitching, I, I do th- I do think their starting pitching is adequate in a in a playoff series not quite but um i mean i think it's solid i if they had one difference making pitcher if they had if they had the kind they had the kind of pitcher that they paid ubaldo who men is to be they would be a more intimidating team but sadly they're not in that position and so they'll probably be taking the at least uh they won't be taking a trip to the world series i think machado Knee surgery, it's the same ligament, but in the other knee, uh, last season, it was the left knee. I want to say it was even around the same time of the year, but, uh, and then this year. It was, in- <laughs> yeah, it really, it was sometime in mid-August. And this year it's in the right knee. And apparently uh, here's here, a couple of things that confuse me about this situation. Uh, number one, well, there's that actually, I guess really the only confusing thing about the situation at this point is, is that. Uh, they had said that they had planned to work on his running style a little bit in order to kind of prevent him because apparently he has a kind of a funky running style that puts his knees kind of uh, puts a lot of stress on his knees. And uh, maybe this is a physical problem that just can't be fixed with running style. And so that's not really something that uh, we could consider. But um, for for this to come up again suggests that uh, whatever they were doing didn't work if they did something uh, because that, that that was kind of a I don't want to say a hot topic but it was that was basically what they talked about in terms of pre- prevention for him. Uh, I mean, does this we 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 have an exact idea of what his timetable could look like now <laughs> because it's it's virtually the same injury. Um, do you think fantasy owners will adjust in kind or? First of all, I mean, I have my, I do have my doubts about whether some fantasy owners will recognize that uh, you know, the value of the player uh, in terms of that. Like, say that he comes back and does. You, know, you could pro- say you could project him for exactly what he did this season, next season, and do people realize that? I have my doubts about that. But uh, combine that with the fact that he is coming back from the same style of injury and in, 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 like, do you think that this could be a, a an injury that puts him worse off than he was this season? Um, no, I don't. I just think people, you know, people were drafting him for this season as if nothing was wrong with him. Right. That was crazy. (laughs) He was the, you know what I talked about because he was the perfect example of never, ever listen to the player because all the early news, oh, he's ahead of schedule. I'm feeling great. Blah, 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 blah. He came back, what, Mother's Day? No, I mean, I saw, (laughs) I saw some, uh, some outside analysis, uh, folks, I mean, I saw that similar saying that, yeah, I mean, I saw some medical analysis saying that he was, you know, the same position that he was, that there was plenty of reason to buy the optimism. And I, yeah, it was, it was still hard for me to see that. I mean, because it's not just, I mean, once the, the healing and the health of the, the knee itself aren't the only thing. I mean, there's still a lot of process to regain a lot of strength around it. And because he's been, he's been dormant for close to six months. It's yeah, I mean, he came back May. He came back May first, and you look at his slash line, and within a few points, it's almost identical. 
So if you want to say that he's going to hit 280 with a 315 OBP and a 430 slug, sure, because he's done that each of the last two seasons. I mean, he is what he is. He's a low OBP guy who with a decent slug, despite all the doubles, I mean, he just doesn't hit the home runs. Uh, and when you look at how all of his numbers play out, you know, you know, I don't know if he's going to have five. I mean, he's got 354 plate appearances this year. Even if he didn't get hurt, he was going to have a tough time making 500 plate appearances. Yeah, but you knock, now, you knock the, uh, you knock, you can. It's easy to knock the numbers if you look at them overall. But I think these are numbers that you can break down in terms of period. Because even when he was going to come back, like he wasn't going to hit right away, and he didn't. I mean, he basically uh, his slash lines May through August. I mean, it was 220, 271, 284, then 260, 313, 462, then 333, 356, 565. Now, obviously, it's only one month splits, and th- and he was hitting even better in August actually, uh, except yeah. for the power 378 with a 511 slug and the 429 OBP. But um, I mean, like I think. I think this had the kind of potential to be a good next step offensively for him if the injury wasn't in play. But now you're talking about this, the second injury being in play on top and, and coming back from the first injury. I mean, I think that these things are going to mask it. But at the same time, it doesn't change the fact that he's injured and he's going to go into the next season injured. So even if this season could have been a next step, it's an abbreviated step if it's one at all. And then you're talking about next season – hitting the same problem, uh, starting off on the same foot. Like, it's, I mean, I, I, I like Machado. I think I like him more than Eno does. Um, maybe more than you, I don't know. We, we haven't really ever talked about him. But at the same, like, there's not, I mean, there's not a whole lot of development opportunity here. <laughs> and I think he's taken advantage of it as much as he could, but that's still not a lot. And it's not much to bank on. And I think my, I don't want to say my fear, but my, my expectation for fantasy owners, I guess my fear for other fantasy owners is that they kind of still kind of overlook it, especially because, I mean, he, I mean, he went on a kind of a home run tear there in, in July. I think, I, I think people are going to forget once again, I think there's potential. It's amazing. I think the short, relatively short memory that people have in the span of six months. Mm -hmm. Uh, We talked about Kadire back on the DL. Xander Bogart's also in the DL for a concussion. And so at least short term, maybe that kind of changes things for the outfield because they don't have to put Brock Brock Holt out there and they can play him at third. But they've been doing that with Middlebrooks. So, uh, well, I don't know. Maybe they can play someone else at shortstop. But uh, that's – the Red Sox are just a mess. I'm glad I don't own too many of those guys. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Hyunjin Ryu, strained butt. He's back, uh, scheduled to be back this Saturday. Kyle Loesch, sprained ankle. Like you said, he's coming back Monday. Joaquin Benoit, over a cranky shoulder, it appears after a bu- uh, bullpen session. Uh, I haven't actually seen if he made any appearances, but the latest on him was that he was fine. So uh, I think he's I think he's good to go. All, all, and no Kevin Quackenbush save opportunities again in the near future. And Joaquin Soria finally is expected to be back uh, not long after he's uh, eligible, which I think is on Monday. And uh, so maybe their th- specula- speculation is within a few days of that. Um, and the only reason that may be significant is because Joe Nathan continues to suck. <laughs> Some, something to keep in mind because the Tigers are really desperate at, at this stage of the season. They cannot afford to give away games in the ninth inning at this point anymore. No, they can't. They really, it's, 
I, I I never saw the AL Central playing out in this format. And Joe Nathan and Grant Balfour, two guys that have been great the last few years skills-wise, have completely fallen off the table. And I know closers are a volatile role, but you know veterans with stable skill sets, I don't think any of us saw this coming. Well, I mean, I, I won't say that I saw Nathan imploding, but I wouldn't have – if you had told me – if you told me that Nathan would have, uh, I want to say his ex-FIP and, and FIP are around um, four. And if you had told me that he ends up with a four ERA, I'd have said, yeah, you know what? I could easily see that. I mean, he is old. <laughs> He's uh, He'll be 40 in a couple of months. Uh, yeah, it's 413. Actually, those numbers are identical uh, entering today. 413 FIP, 413 XFIP. Uh, and the SIERA is 379. If you had told me that he'd add an ERA around one of those numbers, I'd have been like, you know what? I could see that. But I'd still like – and I, I would discount him. I think people were drafting him too soon. But like if I could have got him on a discount or something like that, I'd have said, you know what? I'll probably take a chance on him. I did not – I would not have seen an ERA um, in the mid-fives <laughs> and blowing save after save yeah. after save. That is – that's disappointing because Nathan has been a pretty much a staple in that role for a long time. But, uh, you know, maybe J- Jonathan Pavelbon should get used to it. Maybe that's because that's probably what his career is going to look like. It could. <clears throat> and now it's time for Jason's favorite time of the, of the podcast, and it's the time to pick our favorite two-turn and least favorite two-turn pitchers of the week, or, or at least those that strike us. Um, and Jason, once again, I mean, he's – we had first. Of all, I just want to say we had Brandon Warren on the pod last week, and uh, he he had some pretty good recommendations. I want to say um, I wish I could tell you who they were, but they were pretty good. I did actually kind of mentally uh, from a distance track uh, some of the guys he wrecked, and they were they were pretty good. So, uh, Jason, you have a great reputation, but you do have a little bit of a you, you you can't you can't slack off just because you had a week off. I just want to let you know that. All right, uh, pressure's building here on two start guys that I like this week. It wouldn't be Clay Buckholtz against Toronto and Tampa Bay. No thanks. Um, <laughs> as much you know, I, I can't really stick my neck out in that one and say, "Ooh, let's go for that." I wouldn't even go Ronis Elias because the Nationals are still hitting lefties, lefty pitchers so well. But I would go with Matt Shoemaker. Yeah, against the Marlins and against the A's, Both I will at go home. with Matt Shoemaker. Both, Both at, at home. home. Yeah, he's been hot too, Pack, racking up slowly, kind of racking up those strikeouts. That's and I would a, also go with Danny Duffy against the Twins and the Indians. Ooh, I like that call as well. I like that call very much as well. Yeah, that's two excellent calls. Um, anybody, anybody who's kind of a a regular starter who you say, you know what, I would shy away from that guy. Uh, somebody who's a regular starter that I would shy away from. Um, do you think Brandon, here's one. Do you think Brandon McCarthy keeps it going at Detroit and at Toronto? At Toronto is the one that those makes aren't terrible has, matchups. Yeah. Honestly, at, Brandon at, McCarthy's at, pitching really well and those teams aren't hitting well. Yeah. At Toronto is the one that makes me a little cautious, but at the same time, I mean, I'm, I'm throwing Brandon McCarthy everywhere I got him. If I had him, because unfortunately, yes. unfortunately I dropped him in two leagues knowing that I, I, I thought the turnaround was coming, but I couldn't, I needed a roster spot and now I can't have him. But uh, I, I'd be throwing them everywhere I got them. I wonder if that would be concerning to some folks, but I say throw them if you got them. Uh, I, I mean, I'm on board with your picks. I don't see anybody else that really kind of stands out to me. Um, I'd have said, I probably would have said several weeks ago if KC wasn't so hot that I like TJ House in kind of a really deep league because he appeals to me. I'm actually playing him in a really deep league this he's, week. He's, a, he, he's an appealing pitcher to me, but I think that, that that's a rough 
that, that I mean, it's an interesting two-star week anyway. Uh, anybody in the National League stick out to you? Uh, Dylan G against the Braves and the Phillies. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, and the, the Braves have heated up. I mean, they've, they're still enigmatic. Tough, tough team to figure out, but they have heated up. You know what? I was, and I'll say, G is not a pitcher who appeals to me as much as other he does other people. I I think he's going to be a guy who continue. I don't think his stuff plays up, uh, plays to his peripherals. I think he he. I think uh, he's going to always be a guy. I, at this point, I think he's going to continually be a guy uh, who um, doesn't pitch as well as his components suggest he should be. But. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there are a couple of studs going in Cueto and Bumgarner. Uh, Lackey has kind of turned things around. I, I, I like the two starts for Lackey. I mean, he's he had a couple of bombs, I think, for St. Louis. But uh, uh, the at Pittsburgh and the Cubs looks okay to me. And uh, I'm actually going to go, whew. I was kind of, I'm kind of tempted to try the Jake PV nature there. I don't know why. That's just kind of. And that's just a reminder, folks. Also, that I'm 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 not the greatest at these two start things. <laughs> so, uh, but the the two starts uh, the two starts at home uh, and against Colorado, especially at home, and then also I think uh, Milwaukee's. Hey, wood Wood against the Reds and the and the Cardinals. Yeah. Their offense is setting the world on fire. Oh yeah, no, no, yeah. Alex and Alex Wood has been he's been for the most part stuff. Travis. Oh, Travis Wood. Yes. Ah. And in NL League, I'm willing to go with him this week. Hey, that's some balls, my friend, because Travis Wood is—he uh, is—he has done all that regressing and then some for folks uh, coming into this. Yeah, season. but Cincinnati's <laughs> terrible. They don't hit. Yeah, that's... St. Louis is right there. I mean, if you're going to use him, this is the week. Yeah, this is true. Two road starts. It's it's a little bold, but uh, maybe he pitches better. I have I would have to look at the numbers on that one, but that's I'll give it to you. It, that's one. To, that's one to remember for the record books, and we'll talk about. Uh, That'll be the that'll be the tiebreaker uh, to see if you continue to keep up if you if you're basically <laughs> keeping up the streak uh, in place of Brandon. If I can keep pulling these out of my ass, yes. yes. <laughs> but you've done a fantastic job with them, and and Brandon did so as well last week. Um, and it's been uh, it's been fun. Only a few weeks left of this uh, before we uh, to close it down. But uh, well, at least for the regular season. This has been episode number one fifty eight uh, of the podcast, Jason. Thank you as uh, again for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, next weekend is Labor Day weekend. I don't know if we are doing one uh, uh, on question. Labor Day weekend, but I'm uh, I'm up for it if you guys are because I have Monday off of work. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I do as well. <laughs> okay. Yes. No. No. I'm. Uh, yeah. I'll be down as well. We'll we'll discuss what the powers of be and. Uh, uh, for any of, uh, for any of those who are curious, and maybe we'll tweet about it as well. Uh, but yeah, uh, barring some complications, uh, we'll be looking to do a podcast again next week for you. Thank you all for joining us once again, uh, episode one fifty eight again, and this has been the Sleeper and the Bust. Boom.